Well, amen. Good, good, good to be together. And uh, here we are now on John chapter, we're coming up to chapter four. So we are, we're rolling along here. And uh, I love that. Um, we're going to go ahead and start in chapter three, verse 35. Uh, I do want to correct one thing I, I mentioned um, in, yesterday in, from John chapter three, verse 14, I, where it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the son of man must be lifted up. And I talked about hoopso, and that's really important. And that's really what I want you to walk away with was the importance of hoopso, which is to lift up, to hold up, to raise up, to proclaim, to, you know, to hold before the world Jesus. And that's, that's our role. That's our responsibility. But I mentioned something. I confused two stories. One, the story of where Moses was holding up his staff and, and Aaron and the other guy were holding up his arms and the story of when Moses was holding up the bronze snake and everybody who looked on it was healed. Uh, I, I kind of wove them into one story. So those are two separate stories. But the point is still the same, that as the bronze snake was held up and people were healed, so Jesus will be held up and people will be healed. Um, and I want to get, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start at the end of chapter three, because I think uh, this is a good way to kind of wrap up what, what we discussed yesterday and this whole section, uh, chapter three and verse uh, uh 30, uh, no, actually it's, uh, verse 35. So the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. And, um, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot here. There's a lot here and I, and I don't want to stay too long, but I do want to touch on a couple of things that I think are just important to unpack and put on the table here because they help us with our understanding of Jesus. Um, obviously, you know, the proclamations that the Father loves the Son, that you know, Jesus the Son and God the Father are one. The Father loves the Son, has placed everything in his hands. Uh, again, reinforcing that Jesus is not just some prophet, some teacher. He is God in the flesh. He is the Father incarnate, literally. Um, but he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You know, and I, I've talked about before, actually on a couple of occasions, about life being uh, the essence, the quality, the meaning, not not just the physical organic compound, um, not bios, that's bios. This is zoe, right? This is life as in life to the fullest as in the meaning of life, the value of life, the purpose of life, the quality of life. And and he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, has that, that Zoe for eternity, which is fantastic. I mean, truthfully, we're all striving to have Zoe, even here and now. We all want to have meaning. We all want to have purpose. We all want to have quality. We all, we all want to feel great about our lives. And we're not just talking about our ability to breathe or our ability to have a digestive system or a, or, a, or a neurological system that functions. We're talking about having a good life, what we, what we mean when we say, I've got a good life. Everybody's striving for that. That's why people chase money and fame and fortune and all these things, because they think that will give them Zoe, that will give them quality of life. But he says it's by believing or or 
And again, we talked about the word belief, about um, pisteo, about, about understanding that we're talking about faith. You know, putting your faith in Jesus, you will have this zoe for eternity. That's huge. You'll have what really matters, what makes you happy, what makes, you know, I've, I've, I've been in all parts of the world. I've been in all the continents. I've been in the poorest neighborhoods in Asia, the poorest neighborhoods in Africa, the poorest neighborhoods in Latin America. I've been in slums and ghettos and townships. I've been in refugee camps all over the Middle East and in Europe. I've been in slums in the United States and the East Coast and West Coast. And I tell you, sometimes I find people that are every bit as happy as somebody who lives here in LA or San Diego or lives with wealth and comfort and resources abounding. Happiness has nothing to do with your material goods. We think it does. We we're so brainwashed to think that money brings happiness and brings life. And it doesn't. And and the statement here is so true that we have this is what Christians have to understand. Whoever believes in the Son, whoever puts their faith in Jesus, has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life. They're not going to have this. And and the other part of that is that there isn't another way to do it. And, you know, we live in a, in a very pluralistic society, and there's some things that are great about that. The diversity uh, that we see more and more now is just fant- fantastic. You know, whether it's movies or or whether it's leadership or or whether even in government or in 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 you know all kinds of different levels there's there's a booming level of diversity there's a diversity in thought and and I think we're growing in our understanding even while we're having a lot of social political problems as well but but at least it's it's becoming very known that this is what's good and right that's good but when it comes to the road to God, there is one. There's one way. And that's the part that I think the modern world is going to choke on because the modern world doesn't want to accept that. The modern world wants to accept that there are many paths to God. And Jesus was very exclusive. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and that's what he's saying right here. He whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And it's even a notch higher because he adds the statement, God's wrath remains on them, you know, that they are in trouble with God. And and I think that in 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 modern, or really postmodern, you know, if we're going to use a technical term, with in postmodernism or postmodernity, we, we don't want to think that anybody's in trouble and that there is no wrong and that they're, there is no falseness that everything is equal and everything is okay and I'm good, you're good, everything's good and and nobody should rock the boat. And the fact is that's just simply not true. There is evil in the world. There is deceit in the world. There is darkness in the world. There's and and it's easy for people who live in uh, rich countries to say that, you know, there's that 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 there's no evil that, you know, it's all different opinions and different perspectives. But when you go to countries and you see people starving, you see 
families burying their children because they can't afford the medicine that's in a store down the street, you know there's evil in the world. When you see the things that are happening in our world close up, when you're not living in a bubble, you see the evil of the world. You know it's there. And 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 Jesus is offering a way out, a path out. And we can't say, oh, there's plenty of paths out. No, there's not. There is Jesus. He is the way. And, and it's important we grasp that because that is really in the heart of our evangelism, our reaching out. If we think everybody's okay, then why reach out to anybody else? If we think everybody's fine, there's many paths, then there's no reason to 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 try to get somebody to know Jesus. You know, but if we understand that there's only one way, then we understand there's an urgency here that that everybody needs to know Jesus. But the truth is it's really a positive message. It's not a you know, you better become a Christian so you don't go to hell. No, it's a it's a this is the way. This is the life. This is Zoe. What you really want. Here it is right here. So, boom, look at that. I just spent 10 minutes on front, on the first slide, the first, uh, first verse. And I didn't have to get chapter four yet, but it's hard. It's hard to get through this stuff quickly because it's so important. It's so valuable. It's so immediate, so necessary to meditate on this. I mean, really, if you want something to meditate on this week, meditate on this, on these two scriptures right here on, on, uh, on chapter 30, chapter three, verse 35. Just take that one and meditate on it. 35 and 36, actually, I would add to that. Um, so let's go ahead and go to chapter 4. So chapter 4, something entirely new. There's a shift here, okay? And and you have to remember that the chapters and verses were added later, okay? So they're not from the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> chapter 4. Um, it says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Okay, so so Jesus hears that that the Pharisees are very aware of what's happening out there and that Jesus' movement is basically growing in John's is not, well, it's actually shrinking because John wants it to shrink. He He's pointing the way to Jesus. He's trying to get everybody to follow Jesus and understand that he, he wasn't trying to establish his own church or his own movement. What we oftentimes don't realize is his movement was huge. I mean, it had a big impact. There were lots of people following John. We think, you know, we see the movies and we see 20 people standing around John. We think that's his movement. No, there was probably thousands following John. And, and he had a whole movement going, but the movement served one purpose, prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. So John said it himself, I must become less and he must become greater. Because John knew very clearly what his purpose was. Um, and, and it's interesting that they point out that it was not Jesus who baptized. You know, he, he, he was training his people to baptize. He was training his disciples to baptize. And, 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 you know, at some point we need to do a study on baptism because there's a whole world of knowledge and understanding about baptism and what it meant to Jews and what it meant to different people and how it was used. And, you know, why were there 50 baptistries right in front of the temple? 
you know, and, and why did everybody have to get baptized every time they went to temple? There's a, there's a lot there. And then as well as what exactly is a Christian baptism? What does that mean? And, and the misunderstanding surrounding that, especially in Protestant churches. You might say, well, Robert, aren't we a Protestant church? Well, we're generally, you know, us as the International Church of Christ, we're generally put in that category, but we're not really a Protestant church in the sense that there are some basic Protestant doctrines we don't agree with. One of those being that baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. We don't agree with that. That's clearly not how it was used in the Bible. And, and there's, that's a whole, that's a whole lesson there that we can study. But, but baptism is essential. And, and so it caught everybody's attention here. And they realized that more and more people were getting baptized. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And I'm going to show you a map in a little bit so you can kind of get an idea of where these travels are because it is significant. And some of the things we're going to read about, it becomes very significant. Uh, right, right here, right, 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 right in verse four. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, let me, let me, we're going to come back to this, but uh, let me show you a map. And I want you to look at the map. And if you look at the map, you can see there's down towards the bottom on the left side, there's Judea. It's in like beige color. There's Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Bethel, uh, Joppa. And then above it is Samaria. And that's where Jesus is now. So you see above Samaria, Samaria is Galilee. The, the, the obvious route to go from Galilee, which has Nazareth, it has Cana where the wedding was done, where, where, uh, the, where a number of miracles happened, Capernaum's there, where most of Jesus' miracles happened, the Sea of Galilee is there. So there's a lot there. And John's, John's ministry, uh, John, the book of John, you know, t- tells us a lot about this and, 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 um, his travel back to, Judea, obviously the shortest path would be to cut right through Samaria. This is radical because typically people don't cut through Samaria. Samaria uh, was not a very popular place. Uh, what happened was when the Assyrians conquered Israel, that part of of the Palestine, they took out a lot of the Jews and they imported a lot of uh, Assyrians. And so it became a very mixed area. They established a religion that was pseudo Judaism. It had they had their own temple, they had their own temple mount, they had their own high priest, they had their own things, and and, and it, but it really wasn't Judaism. And of course, the Jews just despised this, and and these were the Sumerians. They were a mixed breed with a mixed religion, and um, you know, typically, anytime you have a religion. It will despise anything that is similar to it, but not the truth, right? So, so there's this enmity between Jews and Samaritans, um, which you know tells you why the Good Samaritan is such a powerful story, and why why you know, and and we're learning here here. So Jesus, rather than taping taking the typical route, which would be to cut over to the Jordan River. 
and walk down to Judea and then walk up to Jerusalem, he goes right smack down the middle, right through Samaria. Okay, now I'm going to go back to that verse. So now he he had to go through Samaria. Okay, and that's that's Jesus. Um, you know, why he just he he does not worry about social norms, social rules, or social laws. He breaks them left and right. Um, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. That that by the way, that well Jacob is still there. You can you can actually go visit now. You can go visit it. It's still there. Uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It's one of the few places you can actually go and know and know for sure Jesus sat here. You know, there's places all over the world. Though, there'll be a little sign: Paul sat here, or I, I told you about going to Patmos, and a little sign that says John slept here. Uh, and you don't really know for sure. There's good possibility, but not for sure. This place, you know for sure, because it says he sat right by the well. So now the exact spot, we don't necessarily know, but but we know he was there for sure. And he sat down by the well. It was about noon. Okay, now this tells you something. Uh, this is six hours in the day. Actually, the, literally it says it was the sixth hour, but they just went and translated that because the day starts at 6 a.m. So noon's the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, okay, that right there, boom, that tells you something again about Jesus. Uh, you don't speak to women in public places. To this day, in many countries in the Middle East, you don't speak to a woman in public. Um, and and more so back then, a Jew speaking to a Samaritan. So because she's a woman, he's not supposed to speak to her. Because she's a Samaritan, he's not supposed to speak to her. Because he's a Jew, he's not supposed to be in Samaria. But just boom, 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 boom. Jesus breaks all the rules, which tells you a lot about him. He wasn't prejudiced. He wasn't even worried about male or female or woman or man or 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 what everybody else thought or how this would look or what people would interpret this. He was consumed by God's will and doing God's will. And that's all that mattered to him. Not what people thought, not what people would say, and not the social norms. And Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to go to McDonald's. No, just kidding, to go to buy food. So his disciples went off to buy food. He's sitting there and he's resting. So there's just a lot there that that they're in Samaria, speaking to a woman, it tells you again, Jesus. Uh, what? What? In, in a lot of ways, what a rebel he was, right? Uh, how? How he just he just did whatever he had to do. Um, I don't have time to read it all. I'm already uh, running out of time. But uh, but he says. But I'm going to jump to verse 16. He tells her. He told her, "Go call your husband and come back." And she says, "I have no husband." She replied. Jesus said to her. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So a couple things happened here I just want to point out. Um, Jesus tells her to go call her husband. 
Okay, does he know? Yeah, he knows she doesn't have a husband. She, He knows she's living with a guy. They're not married. And she's already had five husbands. Okay, so there's, there's a lot we can kind of surmise about this woman. Uh, first of all, she's by herself. Typically, the women would go together for safety. And they'd go early in the morning. Why didn't she go with them? Why did she go by herself in the middle of the day? There's a good chance that she is uh, basically a social reject. Basically, probably looked down on by the whole village. Um, not welcomed with with the inner circle. Not, uh, not uh, looked on very favorably. Probably looked on very badly. She's had five husbands. Even in today's standard, that's bad. I mean, somebody tells you today, yeah, I've been married five times. Your thought's going to be like, what is wrong with you? What, what is going on? You know, something has gone really bad here. You've been married five times and and not, and and much more so in this time when people didn't divorce. Marriage is for life. And here she's had five husbands and, and she's living with a guy now. She's not married. And I love it because Jesus asked her a question. He already knows the answer. But he asked her to draw her out. And, you know, here's the thing is that that Christianity isn't about joining a club. It's about walking with God and giving your life to him. And for many of us, we don't really stop and consider how important that is until we damage our lives. Until we've messed up or we've been hurt, or something goes wrong. And and that's often what it takes to get us to see our need. What is Jesus doing? He's drawing that out. He's pulling that out of her. Go get your husband. Uh, okay, we got a problem there. <laughs> she's had five husbands, and the guy she's with is not her husband. And he says, yeah, what you've said is quite true. She realizes, okay, this is no ordinary person. This is somebody who already knows my life who I'm not going to be able to fool. I'm not going to be able to pretend everything's okay. I'm not going to be able to, to to brush him aside. He's a prophet. And she says, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, the really interesting thing that she does is she starts talking about their religion. Our ancestors worshiped here. You Jews claim. This was an age-old debate about where you worship. And, of course, the Jews, having the word of God and being God's people, were very emphatic about you have to worship here at the temple. And the Samaritans were like, oh, no, no, we've already done our own thing. We have our own, we don't have to worship there. And they were claiming to worship the same God, but they have their own temple, their own everything, their own system. She brings up this religious debate. That's not what the issue was here. The issue is her life and the mess that it is. And probably the hurt that filled her heart, the pain of being rejected by society, rejected by her village, probably the shame that she was weighed down by of being by most people's, by most people's opinion, a loser in life. Somebody who just never got it together and failed in life. And, and he's going right to it, right to the heart of the matter. Let's talk about your life. Let's not talk about religious arguments. 
Some people love to argue religion. And they love to argue this church versus that church. And and I don't, you know, I think about this and I think about that. And this is my opinion about this, my opinion about that. The question is, what's going on with your life? How's your marriage? How's your relationship with your kids? How's your self-control? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you loving? Do you do you live out the fruits of the Spirit? Peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, self-control. Or are you out of control? Are you angry a lot? Do you lose your temper? Do you drink too much? Do you do 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 you not get along with people? Do you have enemies that you won't talk to? Do you do you have people you won't forgive? I mean, these are these are the issues that really show our Christianity. Really show whether we're we're living a Christ-like life, whether we're dealing with the garbage that fills our hearts. Or, or we're just playing the game of religion. Because people who play the game, they have the talk and they can do the religious argument. But that's not what this is about. This is about your life. This is about what's happening in your life. You know, at the end of the conversation, she's so moved. You know, in verse 25, the woman said, I know, the, I know that the Messiah is coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us then jesus declared i the one speaking to you i am he and again this is another time where jesus just nails it of who he is he's not beating around the bush there's no hiding his titles anymore he is he is that's me look i mean he can't say it any more clear i am he that's me you're looking at him you're talking to the Messiah right now. And of course, she goes back and and it says uh, in verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? They they were so used to Jesus surprising them. They just stopped asking, you know. I think every, t- I mean, I just imagine traveling with Jesus. He was always blowing their minds. He was always just challenging their thinking. He was always doing things that they just never thought he would do. He was always surprising them. And so they're not even asking anymore. They're asking why he's talking to her. What what are we doing here? In verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, it's so funny because, you know, sometimes I've noticed Christians will exaggerate. They're like, oh, I was so evil before I, I hated everybody. I, I was a murderer. I was a, a, you know, an evil, whatever. And, and we, we, sometimes we do that. We look at our past and we make it even more evil than it was. Or, or, or we look at our change and we think it's, you know, we, we just want to make the point, the dramatic change in life. And, 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 and it's there. Believe me, we don't really need to exaggerate any of it. But she exaggerates it. She, he told me everything I ever did. No, he didn't. He just pointed out things in her life that were significant, right? And he said, could this be the Messiah? You know, again, a rhetorical question. And uh, of course, the answer is yes. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought bread to him, brought him food? Okay, so a couple of things here just to point out that I think are great. Um, is this, this is what evangelism should be is 
she was so blown away by Jesus, she went back and told everybody. Never mind that she was a social pariah. Never mind that people didn't believe her. Never mind that people thought very lowly of her. Never mind that she probably felt hated and looked down on by most people. She was just blown away by Jesus and had to tell everybody. She had to go and just tell everybody. And that's what she did. And the whole town came out to go meet this guy who's doing miracles right there and then. And they all come out and they want to get to Jesus. and They want to learn about him. And meanwhile, the disciples are like, Jesus, you know, they're, they're, you know, he's their teacher. They love him. They're like, Jesus, you got to get something to eat. You got to eat. And he tells them, I said, I have food that you know nothing about. What sustains Jesus, what empowers him, what strengthens him is doing God's will. That's what makes him content. That's what makes him happy. That's what he's doing. That's what he's here for. And, and we, we need to grab a hold of that. What is it I need to do? I need to do God's will. That's what I'm here for. I want to be a light unto the world, a lamp for the Lord. I want to be a light that shines and makes a difference in this world. I don't know whether what I do is going to be huge or little or help a few people or help millions or help one person. It, 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 we leave that up to God. You don't have to worry about saving the entire planet. You focus on just being God's instrument. Let God decide whether he uses you to help one person, 10 people, 100 people, or a million people. Let him decide that. And you do not measure yourself. And you do not test the Lord this way. You just do God's will. And let that be enough. I do God's will. I don't have to be famous. I don't have to be thanked by everybody. I don't have to receive an award. God will reward me. God will show me what I need. And God will bless me. And, and, and the last thing you see here is, is classic disciples, they don't get it. They're like, could someone have brought them food? They're, 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 they're so often missing the point. You know, when there was the bread baskets, they were, they were like, uh, do we miss something about bread? Do we run out of bread? There was just so many times that they didn't get it. And that's us. I mean, there's there's things that I'm reading now that I've read 20 times and now I get it. And like, what did I do with it the last 20 times I read it? Well, that's just, that's where we're at, you know. We're growing. We don't learn everything the first time we read it. And even even for me, even going through this, this is probably about the fourth or fifth time I, I teach the gospel of John. And I'm learning new things as I go. I'm having a blast every morning I get up and I spend about an hour to hour and a half just going through the gospel again. Reading, learning, analyzing, looking through my old notes, looking through my Bible and just reading it and seeing what jumps out new. And, and new things jump out. Every morning, new things jump out. And I've read the gospel probably 200 times and I've taught this as a class several times, three or four times, and yet I'm still learning and I'm still being filled more and more with Jesus. So I've gone a little long here. Uh, I better stop. But uh, what, a, what a great chapter. So much to learn here. So much to be inspired by. Uh, please be safe. Take care. God bless you. And we'll see you soon.